Hello, everyone. This is the Easy Allies podcast. I'm your moderator, Kyle Bossman. And joining us this week, Ben Moore. Hey, hey. Daniel Bloodworth. 100. And Brandon Jones. Woo! Unfortunately, Don Casanova will not be joining us tonight. Why is that, Don? Highly unusual week, Kyle. Highly unusual week for me this week. Uh-huh. Uh, excuse me, Jones. Uh, to keep it short, basically, Jones knows this. I've been borrowing his uh, slow cooker since over the Christmas break. Way too long now. Finally got a slow cooker of my own. Found it. Uh, but the thing that really, the twist here is that inside of the small uh, slow cooker, a small bit of uranium, actually, is what I found. Yeah, it's not refined like you're thinking of. So, But nevertheless, there's some value there. So what do you know about Carlsbad? Which which one? California New, or New Mexico? I've I've, I've been there once. Yeah, so you know there's not a lot there other than giant underground caverns down below, up top, tobacco farming. I got a guy there. He's going to help me turn it around. Uh the issue is that it's 14 and a half hour drive. I literally yeah. have to leave right now after this podcast. Make one stop in Winslow, one stop in Gallup. I'm going to turn it around, is it, come back, got is edit, it dangerous? Uh, Huber syndrome. Is it dangerous? No, no, it's not refined in the way you're thinking, Kyle. So this is okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a five. The issue is that it's going to be four. It's a high four-figure value. So we're very close to five figures. So you understand why I'm sort of like pedal to the metal. <laughs> yeah, dude, thing, you like, should get going. Yeah, knocks, yeah, you know? yeah. You don't all want right. him to be changing his mind. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right. right. Okay. All right. So pardon huh. me. But wish me luck. Drive sure. Safe, Don. Okay. Enjoy the podcast. Yeah, See you, Don. Good luck. Good luck. Bye, everybody. Lucky guy. So this is episode 100 of the Easy Eyes podcast. Interesting fact: this is the same lineup from episode one. Looks that nuts? like we made Whoa. it. Yeah. Oh, was that intentional? Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> not at all Lucky intentional. Yeah. Do you believe in fate? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and because I do not believe in fates, we have we're getting rid of goals and we're we're introducing a new opening podcast segment, our 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 icebreaker, our warm em ups. And this one's warm-ups. called Yeah, this warm em up is called and for that reason. Uh this is it's it it's because I love Shark Tank is the way the way we're doing this. Uh basically each week someone will submit a pitch for a video game that is unique and innovative, a short pitch. And then each of our panelists will determine whether they want in or out of this thing. They're going to give a short analysis of the concept. You may ask one question about it. And then, uh, at the end, you must say, and for that reason, I'm in, or, and for that reason, I'm out. We get it? It's gotten. Cool. Love the sharks. And so, uh, because this is the first week, uh, I'm submitting it. I'm submitting the game. Okay. Okay, here we go. Good evening, Easy Allies. Are you familiar with trading quests like in Zelda, where you trade items with NPCs who need this strange particular thing, eventually upgrading to a valuable item? In my game, you have the power to exchange faces with anyone in the world, but only if they are willing. The end goal is to finally trade faces enough that you get Jennifer Lopez's face. The game is called No, I'm J-Lo. Are you in? (laughs) Question. Yeah. Can I, do I have to persuade these people if they are at least a little bit reluctant at first to trade faces? You, there is some persuasion, Ben, but generally they'll tell you what kind of face they're looking for. Okay. Uh, all right. This sounds extremely interesting. I think the end goal is right. I think the end goal is very important in a video game. And for that reason, I am in. Great. Daniel Bloodworth. 
<laughs> oh wow. Um, I I think something about the concept makes me kind of creeped out by like disembodied faces. So for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> what era of Jennifer Lopez are we talking about here? Current day. Current. Good yes. question. Current day uh, Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez's face is not her best feature. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> Episode 100. That went oh boy. better than I could have ever wished. Okay. Uh, let's start corrections for episode 100. Begin oh. that music, please. Uh, Team Ninja absolutely developed Neo. Uh, let's do the Metroid timeline right now. Metroid Zero Mission. Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime Hunters. The DS game. Metroid Prime 2. Metroid Prime 3. Then Metroid Prime Federation Force. The 3DS game. Then Metroid 2 slash Metroid Samus Returns then Super Metroid, then Metroid Other M, and then finally Metroid Fusion. That's that timeline. I really hope Metroid Prime 4 does not take place between Prime 3 and Metroid Prime Federation Force. We don't Probably know. Probably will. But Probably after Federation will. Force, you'd accept? Uh, no, I really want it to take place at least after Super Metroid. I would love for it to take place after Fusion. Yeah, I would, I would really want to see some go past Fusion. But if it's Prime, it probably won't. Uh, Jones, the reason you had only seen two dances in Fortnite is that you're not playing enough Battle Royale. That's where all the dances are. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it's still in early access. I wonder if they'll add more by launch. Apparently you only Hopefully. get two. You only get two in that mode. Only two, yeah. yeah. Uh, Spyro did have a voice actor in the first three games. Uh, is Tom Kenny in two and three who does SpongeBob? Yeah. And then in one, it's Carlos Alazraki, uh, who's in Reno 911, and he's Rocco in Rocco's Modern Life. Whoa. That guy did the voice of Spyro. Also, uh, I'd learned as I was Googling all this stuff, Tom Kenny is Heifer in Rocco's Modern Life. So here's these two guys, they're friends, right? They're doing, they're playing best friends in Rocco's Modern Life, and then suddenly Tom Kenny comes and takes that job away. <laughs> I'm taking Spyro away from you. I wonder how. Or the other guy was like, no. but I mean, you, you know, know Spyro. Spyro's thing. on Netflix really now. Somebody took it from Tom Kenny, so. Yeah, um, it's Justin Long in the current rendition. Oh really? That's... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I, I I I I think it's more of like I I don't have the the schedule for this. Do you want it? I think it's one of those. Well, actually, Pass it on. I didn't. Even, I didn't put this in, but one of the comments said that there were. They were. Everybody hated the original guy. The original. Yeah, voice of it is definitely not that. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> There's no. Oh, okay. Jones, you're almost. Voice familiar. actor roles are not handed out between actors. Like they don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they have very little say in what what they're hired to do. Uh, that bear is named Moneybags in Spyro. Um, all right. Here, this one. You know what? Kind of irked me a little bit. Here's what happened last week. Ian said, uh, we were talking about Ridge Racer, and Ian said, wasn't Ridge Racer a PlayStation exclusive? And I said, yes. And then... Nope. And then the commenters went off. They said, no, 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 no. Well, let's run through this, Mm. commenters. Let's run through your comments right here. So Ridge Racer, the first Ridge Racer game, that was exclusive to the PlayStation 1. The sequel, Ridge Racer Revolution, that was just... Exclusive to the PlayStation 1. Uh, Rage Racer, uh, which is Ridge Racer 3, uh, that was exclusive to the PlayStation 1. Uh, R4, Ridge Racer Type 4, that was exclusive to the PlayStation 1. Ridge Racer 5, that was exclusive to the PlayStation 2. Ridge Racer 6, 
exclusive to 360, Xbox 360, who saw that coming? Ridge Racer 7, oh, that was exclusive to the PlayStation 3. So, despite the fact that there's Ridge Racer 3D on the 3DS and a game called Ridge Racer 64, yes, it would be unusual for Ridge Racer 8 to be on the Switch. If you were on this what, panel- You forgot about Ridge Racer Unbounded. Yes, that is not a numbered Ridge Racer game. Ridge Racer Oh, I didn't realize is. that was part of the qualification. Yes, Blood, I was going through the series and being like, spinoffs were on other, cause, because Blood, oh, That wasn't a thing. spinoff anymore. They just stopped putting numbers on it. No, no, Blood, because Ridge Racer 8 is they the did, thing that's yes, happening. Yes, they did not. They paused so putting numbers yes. on it. Yes, and so here's the thing, Blood. If, if it was last week, if you were on this panel and I said, hey, there's a rumor that Ridge Racer 8 is going to be on the Switch, and you said, uh-uh, that's not significant because there's plenty of Ridge Racer games on other consoles, I'd say, no, Blood, you're missing the point. It's Ridge Racer 8, exclusive to the Switch. Uh, here's a comment or a correction I did like. Ridge Racer mascot Reiko Nagase uh, was only replaced in Ridge Racer 5 and one E3 trailer, but then they went back. They're like, okay, we're, we're back to her. Um, Tetsuro, no, sorry, Tetsuro, Tetsuru? I didn't write down his first name, and now I'm Tetsuya hmm. Nomura. Is that right? Tetsuya Nomura. Yeah, 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 it's a Y. Oh my god. Uh, he, he did know he was the director of Final Fantasy VII Remake when it was announced. It was an, an internal trailer he had watched within the company that said, oh, I'm in that position on this. And uh. so, like, I don't want to spread that misinformation anymore. Uh, the Bubsy games are published by Accolade, not to claim. And correction music. Whew. That's a whole bunch. That was some spicy corrections. So did that developer change their name to Accolade, like you no, mentioned no, no, last no, no, week? No. Accolade is old school. Right, right. But it was like a, it was like a, uh, I guess like a Chinese company bought another studio and changed their name to Accolade. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like Atari. Kind of like Atari. Just like anybody can have played like. Even that though, even the, like I kind of get Atari. Atari has value. What value does Accolade have? What value does Acclaim have today? Well, it's funny that they're both... Acclaim, they, I would say, probably has more than Accolade, but yeah. yeah. It's funny that they're, you, you, you mix them up because they're both kind of the same word. It's the same word. <laughs> That's funny. What, yeah. Also, didn't Atari get Test Drive from Accolade? So that's kind of a funny part of the conversation. Anyways. Piling on the corrections for next week. Very early. No, no, Very Accolade, early. Accolade put out the original Test Drives, and I'm pretty sure Atari published the later ones. Cool. Publishers don't matter. This is all cyclical, man. <laughs> this is all the same. Uh, we have pretty big news this week. This just dropped today, and I think it's actually really interesting. Um, it's it's a story that wasn't too interesting to me until I read more into it, and so I'm kind of excited to talk about this. The heads of Sledgehammer Games today announced that they're leaving their studio. They're leaving Sledgehammer Games. Mm -hmm. They're still going to work at Activision, Jones. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. And so they're leaving the studio to work at Activision to make more games. And, you know, that's kind of like, oh, okay, next story, please. And it's like, wait, hold on. Let's read a little more into it because uh, I didn't realize how cool these people are. So basically, uh, it's Glenn Schofield and Michael Condry. Mm -hmm. uh, they met at EA. Uh, they were working on 007 from Russia with Love. They were the executive producer and director at that time. Um, they just, like, got along really well. Apparently, both their dads used to work in construction, and so they, like, just became best buds. And so then they made Dead Space at EA. Mm. And I didn't realize it, it's, it sounded like kind of like Hollywood in that because they were within EA making Dead Space, they had like clout in the industry. And then it's like they decided to go make their own studio at that point. But it was almost like you, 
you don't earn that until you have that success within the thing. It's kind of like expected upon you to go and do your own thing. And so I thought that was really cool. So yeah, then they started Sledgehammer. And the first thing they worked on, the first pitch they had, was a third-person action Call of Duty game. And they pitched that to Activision. And so, you know, they're just... they're. There's these new guys, they started a new studio, they're hiring people and everything, and they, so they pitch it to Activision, and a few weeks go by, several weeks go by, Activision does not respond. Uh, but then, they get to talk to Bobby Kotick, and he really likes it, and the next day, he says, hire these guys, let's make that third-person Call of Duty game. And so they're making it. They're making this third-person action Call of Duty game for Activision, right? And so... Uh, that, they're going along with that. I guess for like six to eight months, they're making that game. And then um, uh, they, they apparently had like 15 minutes of it done. But then the Infinity Ward started going down. Uh, mm. Zampella, Frank West, I believe are their names. Uh, they were Wait. leaving. Not Frank West. That's a video game. <laughs> that's a Dead Rising. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me get his name right then. I always get, I get Zampella right every time. West is harder. I just should have said Zampella and West. Uh, Jason West. Okay. So, uh, those guys were leaving and they took a lot of Infinity Ward with them. I guess almost half of that studio. And so Activision like, we got to make Modern Warfare 3. Well, they just did Modern Warfare 2. was just out, right? And like this is, it's like in pre-production at this point. And so they're kind of desperate. They need to get a game out every year. And so looking forward to that year after that, um, they needed staff basically. And so they went to Sledgehammer and they said, would you please help them make this game? And apparently Sledgehammer, like they could have said no. And like they, they pulled their own studio. They pulled all the developers and they said, okay, we're going to have to give up on our cool third-person Call of Duty game to work on Call of Duty. Do you all want to do that? And then they said it was a unanimous decision. Everyone was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go make Call of Duty. Obviously, Modern Warfare 3 is a huge success, the best-selling Call of Duty game of all time. Huh. Sledgehammer is now well-regarded with an Activision. They make two more. Uh, they make uh, Advanced Warfare, mm-hmm. which does pretty well. Uh, and then, of course, they just made last year's uh, World War II which did incredibly well, um, kind of bucked a trend of some sinking sales. And so uh, I guess Activision loves them. And then they say, yeah, we're going to leave Sledgehammer. We're going to work for Activision. I want to give, before we start all the discussions, the quote about what they're actually going to be doing. So this is from Glenn Schofield. Um, Activision has offered me the opportunity to focus my energy on something I'm very passionate about, Mm. exploring new game ideas for the company, it's something I just couldn't pass up. There we go. I love all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I was not even like, I, was, I wasn't aware of their journey. I wasn't aware of like their success that they just, they made Dead Space and then just started working on Call of Duty immediately after that and just hit, hit, hit afterward. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess like it's just a truly interesting thing to me. And so panel, I guess where we want to, where I should launch this off is Activision was burned by Zampella and West. I wonder if, uh, this is them learning their lesson. This is them treating them right. They're trying to put a ring on it, basically. Oh, okay. Um, and I wonder if it's that. Do you think that Activision is just trying to keep them, just trying to respect these talent and keep them internal and keep them working for Activision as opposed to Sledgehammer Games or some other studio that they want to want to go create? I I would have to wonder if you know we've been we've been doing Call of Duty for so long if that they're thinking hey, we're in a good spot right now, but let's take these guys who are steering the ship in the right direction and let's have them find the next Call of Duty. 
mm-hmm. where they believe that they have the eye for it, where you yes. look at their pedigree. Yeah, Ben, because I want to talk about this too. I want to talk about Activision making new IP and they just right. don't anymore. And so this idea of this, these two guys exploring like what is what is next? What is the next Call of Duty? I think is incredibly interesting. Uh, Blood, do you think we'll see Activision make an original game within the next three years? Next three years? Yes. Um, yeah, I think so. Really? Um, yeah. I can't see it happening, man. What, how do you see it happening? What would the act, the new Activision game be? I mean, a shooter, I, probably. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it could be. Yeah, put money on shooter. Um, it could it could be a battle royale. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, yes, you're right. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Destiny hasn't been that long ago, you know, and that's. An, but to make Destiny, they had to buy Bungie. Sure. Activision could have done that without buying Bungie. For sure. But I, I think that, yeah, I, I think... I'm sorry, I don't think they bought Bungie, but they, they needed Bungie to do yeah. that, yeah. But, but I think that's kind of part of it, too, right? Like, these guys could be designing, they could be scouting, they could be doing anything, but, like, their whole thing is to, like, let's find, you know, like, what is the next big thing for, for us, you know? And, and I think, too, you know, it's not like... I think what's important here is it's not like they took that whole studio off of the project to do this it's like no they they got these guys just the two guys these guys yes. to do this yeah and, and and so they can start with whatever size team they want you know whether it's you know to conceptualize or to you know look look at developers and and who's really rising up the ranks now you know i mean you you could get something crazy like activision buying rocket league even you know yeah. it's like that's in their wheelhouse that would make them a lot of money you know that's an ongoing pretty much easy to bank on uh franchise another thing oh go ahead ben uh yeah because we i think immediately we jumped to a shooter and i could see kind of from their perspective we have call of duty we can evolve it we can do new things within it let's have something that isn't necessarily competing with that that isn't competing with destiny that is this that complements that that would make a lot more sense to me but i could see from activision perspective hey that would be really hard to do let's get these guys who have really earned our trust to find this gem that is so different and and when blood said rocket league that's what i would be thinking of multiplayer yeah but not only multiplayer but but something new something fresh that could really take off in the same way and in the same capacity that something like a rocket league did uh, another part of reading the Wikipedia entries and like the articles attached to them uh, uh, that made me like respect G- Glenn Schofield so much is um, he basically when he saw that the industry was moving away from many IP from from this idea like if you if your game sells a million dollars you're good as it sort of just funneled into just only action games only first person shooters and the other things went away. Uh, he went to go get his master's in business because he's like, oh, I see where this is going. And so he's like, I'm going to need to like be a studio head. I'm going to need to be able to make these decisions. And that was just like totally paid off for him. Uh, I think that's incredibly cool. Yeah. And so, Jones, I guess I would like to talk more about the future of Activision, the future of games. And do you like I, obviously they're preparing for it, right? They're preparing like there's they've had a meeting about a battle royale game at this point, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. I wonder, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this with Destiny, the year that Destiny had in 2017. Not sales, not money, because I know Destiny made a lot of money. I know a lot of people are still playing it. Sure. But just the, uh, 
the the bad blood that was there just or not not bad blood but the uh the bad blood in their community you know their community being continually frustrated that uh Bungie was not communicating what was happening within uh Destiny and I wonder if Activision's looking at Destiny and being like we're not going to make as much money on this as we thought we're still going to make money but this is potentially on a downward trajectory that we cannot affect as much as we would like to so we need a new IP we need something uh and and I, I I loved Advanced Warfare. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I loved Modern Warfare 3. So I wonder if, having done Modern Warfare 3, Advanced, 4, which, Advanced Warfare was a little further in the future, and then going back to World War II, they kind of cemented Sledgehammer as like, okay, we can count on you yeah. to make a good Call of Duty game. Maybe we you don't need these two smart men you know, at the helm to necessarily pull that off again because you've proven yourself. So we can move them on to something else. And they're they're very genuinely excited. I, I went to the review event for Advanced Warfare, and I was like, I like these guys. Like, They're, they're a funny pair. because uh, These two guys, the CEO and COO of Sledgehammer, were just like talking to you all? We're at the review event the entire time. That's and every fun. time we broke for something, they came out, okay, everybody, and they were the first to talk. And it's funny, Condry's a tall tall guy, short blonde hair, and Schofield's just like a linebacker. He's, yep. he's like, yep. Schofield looks like the person you should be playing as in every Call of Duty game. <laughs> uh, so it's just great. It's just cool to see uh, the two of them. Still loving what they do and 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 i i mean this is the news i always want that people i'm familiar with people that have proven to be good at their jobs are given an, a new opportunity to do something completely new yeah uh I, the thing is what they've excelled at i mean obviously multiplayer is a huge component of call of duty but is telling these stories you know and and telling these narrative games these action games and i just i do i don't see the industry trending that way Obviously, Call of Duty was the best-selling game last year. Mm-hmm. You know, it still is. Uh, and so it's... It, but I guess you just... You feel momentum of PUBG. You feel momentum of Battle Royale. But I just... I wonder if, panel... Like, there's always going to be a space for Call of Duty. I, this was the year it was supposed to do poorly, you know? This was the year, like, the, the trend of sinking down was supposed to continue. And then they just said, no, like, we, we're still the best-selling game. What's it going to take for Call of Duty to stop? Something bigger. Something something bigger that fills that particular void. And I think right. it is a very particular void. I think that's what's very important to say. In a more satisfactory way of stuff that came before. And if you look at the evolution of first-person shooters and multiplayer first-person shooters, that always happens. And the thing... But wouldn't you say in some ways that like Titanfall 2 kind of was that? And it didn't overtake anywhere near in sales. I right, d- but yeah. I, I don't think... It has to come at the right time, hmm. and it yeah. has to come with the right support, and I don't think Titanfall 2 had the right support. No, I'm not saying that's, that's, that's the true. only reason. It got but, jammed out in the middle of everything. Well, Titanfall 2 made a lot of improvements, but was still thematically very similar to the first game. Destiny 2 is very similar to the first game, and every Call of Duty is a surprise every year. It's We, we don't know until very you know until the year actually begins and we're into the year what it's going to be at all. And then at, in that year we get it, and it's great. And yeah. and so I, and there's just nothing like that franchise that you know has that AAA pedigree, but still shows up and surprises and Yearly. and gives different developers a chance to do something new. Uh, you know, they, they they learn from each other. You know, they they uh, collaborate in between studios, but they're still you know driving their own vehicles and and making their own stuff happen. I think uh, what what is so key is that flexibility. When you say, "Hey, we're going back to World War II." That's a big deal. When you say, hey, we're going to this particular area, we're changing this thing, that flexibility, I think, is what's really saved Call of Duty and what's kept it so relevant for so long. But 
Like, if you compare something like a Titanfall 2 to the unveiling of the original Destiny, do you remember how the original Destiny was unveiled? There was so much kind of mystery behind it. I remember they just invited a bunch of journalists out and it's like, we're going to tell you about this brand new experience. And they like showed them concept art, you know? Right. And that, I I really feel like that kind of created this perfect storm with this mystery, kind of this allure of this is going to be a new thing. The people who made Halo are making a new thing. Right. Yes. Right. And it just created this, this electric buzz that you couldn't look away from. And I think I think that's what you need. Yeah. Uh, for for Activision specifically, one of my favorite uh, levels in Advanced Warfare, one of my favorite levels in Call of Duty history was uh, it's from Advanced Warfare, and you uh, are flying around a um, kind of like an oil rig. It's in the middle of the desert, and you get in a jet and then land and then walk around the base and then get back in a jet and then land and walk around the base. It's and incredible, you can, and yes. you can have cover, and it's great because the the guns that you have on this thing are just insane. And so it's not like oh, I got really got to snipe that one little part. You can just mow people down, and, and so it's fun to have cover when you're on, actually on the base. And I, you know, this is just one instance of one thing that they've done in the history of their company. But like, I would love that coming to Destiny, that coming to PUBG. That scale, the intentional vehicles, not just like, oh, I found a jeep, I'm gonna run some people over. But like, no, I'm actually coordinating with my team with these super high-powered, fast vehicles, easy to control, get around the map. Yeah, yeah, they were like ghosts basically. And Jones, what's really cool about that is they don't cheat the like flying, the landing out and getting out and like doing a whole mission and then getting back in. Because we played, I played that co-op with Huber. One of us could be like walking around on these platforms, and the other could be providing cover in the air. Was that you're right? That was a really cool thing. So just the the scale of the environment, you keep going in and out and in and out, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it if if they shake up you know uh either PUBG or another multiplayer you know something like rocket league or something uh um it'd be weird it'd be like PUBG and rocket league kind of put together like the speed of rocket league like you get from point a to point b quicker but it has that the competitive nature um, and just less story just don't you know don't you don't need to focus on story nobody in PUBG cares about story nobody in monster hunter world really like that's not like the driving force <laughs> i i do you think know? these two people nobody in Metal care Gear about survive story, you know is going to care about the story you don't think the creators of dead space care about story i think they do i just don't think it's it's necessary right now i think that might be i i, I i'm curious if that was maybe part of that meeting that they're like hey look what PUBG did there's no cutscenes. there's no voice acting there's no look at all that money we could waste potentially yeah. on this new ip maybe yeah. we don't and let's try Something else. Yeah. But future tech would be my, I'm putting my chips on the table for future tech, whatever it is. Uh, oh, for sure. I, I talked about kind of blowing something up and making it feel huge. You said from the creators of Halo, but I have to wonder if they're thinking from their perspective, if there, there's just this certain level of distrust with that kind of bigness where you think about Battlefront 2 or, or even something like Medal of Honor or, or even at Warfare, and you see companies like Epic taking an approach that was previously reserved for early access games um, and, and kind of embracing that model and seeing the success of something like Fortnite or PUBG and maybe the next thing that they do is this is a work in progress and yeah, allows man. them to experiment with a bunch of things that are small scale and if they don't work out, it's not that big of a deal to cancel them, but if it does work out, they can heavily invest and go in because that type of, hey, this is a work in progress is more accepted now than it's ever been. That's a really interesting concept to me, Ben. Uh, it makes me think of, of basically 
when movies try out characters in comic books first because like sure. that's an easy that's a much less expensive path because basically when you when you talk about you know those indie games you talk about like you know undertale being a huge success mm-hmm. activision didn't publish undertale and i almost think if activision did if activision's name came up front it would be less successful yeah i think they'd really have to spin it in this way of we don't want to make money from this this particular game when you buy this weird little like experimental game from us go ahead take it we just want to play around. We want to see what works. Because I think they'd have to really come off as good guys with that. Oof, mm. That would be bold for yeah. Activision. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But it would work, I think. Hey, yeah. this, is, this is a free game from Activision. I think that would work. It was interesting, Ben, mm. talking to uh, Epic at E3 last year about Fortnite. And obviously, the Battle Royale is huge. But at the time, it wasn't a thing. It was just this uh, Save the World mode that uh, I'm infatuated with. And they were like, this is going to be free to play for this year. We'd like to make it... Uh, f- uh, I'm sorry. This is going to be early access, $40 to jump in. Um, and then we're going to make it free to play in early 2018. And then at PAX, I, ju- I bumped into them. I was like, hey, free to play? Is that still happen in January? And they're like, oh, we don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like... We're, I mean, we're clearly Battle Royale right now is, yeah. is the big thing. And so that afforded us the ability to work on this single-player mode and release it whenever. Release it when it's finished, when it's ready. You can still play it. You, you have to pay to play it, but it'll eventually be free. And when that is, people can jump in and it'll be as good as we want it to. But clearly we need to divert resources. They're flexible. They can. Yeah. It's a great place to be. And so I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that being. Uh, um, I could see other people in this industry wanting to be in that position. Cool. Uh, You know what? We're going to transition to a different news story that actually kind of relates to this. I'm pretty excited to talk about this one, too. Uh, Burnout Paradise Remastered Mm. was announced today. Uh, March 16th. Wasn't it announced before or was it just a release date announcement? It was rumored before. It was leaked before. Oh, okay. It was leaked. It was was just like, this is happening. Uh, March 16th is a date. $40 a price. Basically the going price of a remaster these days. I kind of like that. Uh... Uh, native 4K on Xbox One X, some other kind of 4K on PS4 Pro, 1080 on Xbox One and PS4, 60 frames per second on everything. Normally, when a when a remaster is announced, it doesn't make it to the podcast. It's not a big deal. The big deal behind this, this is EA's first remaster. Hmm. Oh. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. Wait, this gen? This gen. Okay, this gen. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So here's what happened. I, we got some quotes. Uh, uh, Peter Moore in 2016. Oh, I don't have quotes. I just have general ideas. Uh, he said he didn't want to do it. Uh, no, that was that was 2015. He said that. He said he didn't want to do it. Looks like you're out of ideas. EA had taken a stance against oh doing remasters. doing remasters. Yeah, they're like we don't, don't want to do that. We're not about that. It looks like you know it's lazy. Uh, That's cute. Because yeah. EA and lazy are not two words yeah. <laughs> together in the same sentence yeah. ever. Uh, in August of 2016, Patrick Soderlund, uh, he told Game Informer, he's the EVP of EA. Uh, he said, we have interest. We're looking into it. So over a year ago, um, to August of 2016, EA finally said, yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking about it. We're looking into it. We will do remasters. We don't see the results until today. With Burnout Paradise is the one they choose as their first remaster. Um, I think that there's probably a lot of groundwork laid with that, uh, because they did the PC version, the ultimate box, uh, quite a while after the, the console 360 versions. launch. Yeah. The P- PS3 and 360. Um, so I think probably, yeah, when they, when they put that together, that, that probably made it easier to transition and make that game, um, for, you know future future consoles but why this why now why do you think they chose burnout paradise as their first remaster burnout's got to be on the top of the list of fans screaming for franchises to come back from ea i would think 
Well, yeah, it actually is kind of interesting because I mean, I remember when uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit launched. I went to the launch party in Hollywood, and uh, that was the first one that Criterion had worked on, the first Need for Speed. Oh, cool! Right, and right, right. One of the EA guys there was like, "Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Burnout could never do the numbers of Need for Speed." And so it's just really, it is really interesting to see them actually like pull burnout back up and and put it out and the way ben that i kind of feel about it and i mean they they openly admit to this a lot remasters are almost a a, a gauge of interest a little barometer sure uh mm-hmm. clearly this one they are working hard on it if they can promise 60 frames per second on an xbox one that's like a good that's pretty cool yeah. uh, 1080 and t- 60 frames per second um and so I, I i think it's clear they are working on it do you think it, it is that kind of barometer they want to test to see where the love is in terms of burnout right now yeah, I think so because if you if you look at the reception to the latest Need for Speed and kind of the general reception to the last several Need for Speed, uh, it's not working out. Um, and I think if you look at EA's catalog, I mean they've tried with a lot of things to to bring them back, and I don't think there's too many things they could bring back that haven't been kind of tainted. Burnout is that thing. Yeah. Burnout is is an EA property that is it not went out on top. in any way. Right. That's, yes. that's what I think of. Yeah. It's like Mass Effect. Uh, like right. Dead Space. Even, uh, even SSX. SSX. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sim City. <laughs> like, uh. Right. So, yeah. And I've really enjoyed Burnout in the past, and so I'm excited. I just hope that, like, hey, let's, let's say this comes out. Interest is gauged, and it's good. I hope... We don't ruin this thing. This thing is precious. So, you don't know the, the cynical take on this? Oh, wow. Oh. I didn't think it would come from you, but go ahead. Um, so, Burnout Paradise was pretty bold in that it came out and it said, hey, we're going to give you like a year of free DLC. Mm-hmm. Like, you just kept getting updates. You got, like, new areas. You got all the stuff. You didn't have to pay any money for it. Didn't they add... Did they? Is this the game that added the Back to the Future car? Yeah, that's in there. Okay. Um, and You know so, the name of the Back to the Future car? I know DeLorean. <laughs> okay. But you didn't think but that it's not actually listeners would know? If you said DeLorean, have, they'd be like a Wallian? Jones... It's not actually a DeLorean, though. They... They, they just make it look like it. But we're talking about, like, it. digging okay. through the cubby, Jones. Right, right. Back to the Future car came out first. Okay. And then sure. when, when you said, you don't know what the back... To, I right. had, like, a little extra time to dig in a little yep, deeper. Yep, yep, I found DeLorean and I took it out. I would have said DeLorean first if I thought of it first. Apologies. <laughs> Continue, Blake. <laughs> but anyway, so the cynical side is, like, somebody to EA saying, like, we never made the money on this game that it costs to put all this stuff out. Uh, can we... Put that out and sell it again. Yeah. <laughs> so pessimistic intentions, you think? Like you're, you, you don't think it's as righteous as bringing burnout to the people? They're just burnt that they didn't. They Make got burned money. out on the how much money they made. I mean, from from a a suit perspective, I guess you see, I've, from my own perspective and from outside perspective, I've seen nothing but positive sentiment for burnout. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. were going to bring it back, specifically with Burnout Paradise as well. Why not this? Yeah. Uh, I I do wonder, like, Criterion just, like, makes Star Wars stuff now. They're, like, a supplementary studio. Yeah. There's, like, a basically a skeleton crew that's left over there. And I think they've staffed up a little bit to work on Star Wars. But. Do you think, Blood, do you think they'd be capable of making a new Burnout game if this is a success? Um, 
it would be different. I mean, a lot of those burnout creators have left the studio and they have their own studio and Oh yeah. There's there's a couple of guys left, but like the like a you know, there's a chunk of the leaders that have their own studio. There's a big chunk of staff that went to Ghost Games when they founded that. Um, and so like I said, like yeah, there's like a skeleton crew that was sort of left over and then started working on the Star Wars stuff after I guess that crazy stunt game uh, went yeah, by the wayside. That action sports game looked yeah. so cool. What was was there a title for that? No, I don't no, think there was. Oh man, so cool, <laughs> so gone. Show it off at E three, man. Why do oh why even tease us like that? So I was I was Ben. I was thinking about EA, kind of like you were. Like yeah. how many beloved franchises do they actually have? And I kind of want to go through these. Like okay, do, do you, oh yeah. I don't think this is the last EA remaster is why I say that. And so I kind of want to go through the other franchises that are, are candidates. So, Jones, you said no Mass Effect? You don't think Mass Effect Trilogy would be a cool remaster? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I think that would be huge, yeah. yeah. I but think just, it's incredibly likely, even. Uh, yeah, maybe a year or two. Is it too yeah. soon? Yeah, yeah too that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Okay, a little yeah. too soon. Sure. Especially because you know they're going to want to show that off, that trailer at their uh, press conference. And like that's for live audience, that's a bad thing to bring up. Okay, all right. Uh, you said no to Dead Space, but what about Dead Space 1? Wouldn't that be a cool remaster? Hmm. Yeah. 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 But I, Jones says no. I say no. Well, I just think Dead Space 1, then people ask for Dead Space 2, and then, and then they, they maybe yeah. do Dead Space 2, and then what happens? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I get what you mean. I just it think it, it's it the, is weird to think that they would do that without doing like the trilogy like both of those games feels like they would sell the trilogy again in some way you know it's a good point so you know we're ready to spend 40 on burnout paradise but it's this complete package there's nothing after it but i think there is an expectation if you're doing dead space that you have to do the mass effect you got to do the trilogy you know that is actually really strange maybe a weird thought but is this something that they could work into their ea access program maybe sweeten the plot a little bit oh yeah i mean you get you get uh, burnout ten days early. Yeah, but yeah. but it's like, hey, you get en- enhanced versions of these games, and you can play them early as part of it. I don't know, maybe that would be an avenue they could go down. We're going through our whole catalog and and giving you as much as possible. Um, Star Wars: The Old Republic. The Old Republic. Wait, what? The MMO? No, I guess I don't mean the, the MMO. Um, Knights of the Old Republic. No, Knights oh, of the yeah, Old yeah, Republic. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's available. On it's a, PC, it's, it's a on, large undertaking. Out of every it, game you brought up so far, that's clearly the so beast. So yeah, we're we're going back another generation after. Yeah, we're, sick, they, we're gonna do that for a few. And years. that's not gonna look probably that great. No, we're remastering it, Jones. Think even, of Crash Bandicoot last even, year. Oh, like that. Yeah, dude. That, that, like that is tough for. Those I think they did. Yeah, I think comparing a, a Crash Bandicoot there. remake to a Knights of the Old Republic. That's one of the biggest. No, that's that's a lie. Sorry. Uh, it is a big RPG. It's a huge RPG. So it's not like it's a meaty project. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. How about Command and Conquer? They don't want to make a new Command and Conquer game because they remastered. Which one do you make? Does one stand out really as like the one to to remake? Which one is Tiberian Sun? I I am not a I, I'm I not very familiar with Command crickets. and Conquer. Okay, so. all right. So I think it's honestly not likely. We can move on. I do not think we're going to see a Command one and Conquer remaster that I can't think of now. I think EA is not interested in PC business. Obviously, they run, they run it, they do it, uh, yeah. but they're not focused on it. It's not a, it's not a, a primary driver for them. I really feel like they've abandoned Command and Conquer. Oh, they have. Yeah. Like, Again, they showed us a Command and Conquer game. And they're like, ah, you know what? We don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. Dragon Age. No. There's only two. No. There's... Well, Inquisition is yeah. already on current yeah. console. Right, right. So yeah. 
Again, but RPGs, you're right. I guess that makes it like it's a hairier proposition to do a remaster of a huge RPG. Final Fantasy I mean, 12 took so long. Anything Bioware is putting, yeah. very doubtful, I think. Being able to play... I don't know. I was going to say, being able to play Origins on modern consoles might be nice, but then I'm like, no, I would just rather play them on PC. As we, when we sure. entered this gen, one of my number one remasters that I wanted was Mass Effect because I never got into it. And so I was like, that would be perfect. Like, that, I, would, yeah. I would sign up. That would, you know, slide up to the very, very near the top of my games to play. I got to admit, we're getting hairier as we go on. Boom blocks. Ugh. No. Well, no. <laughs> Now's the time for boom blocks, but I don't think, I don't think, no. Now's the time for boom blocks? Yes. Okay. You know, you got you got switches out there. Okay, okay, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, all right. You got uh, you got like motion controls within the PS4 controllers. Now's the time. (laughs) Uh, Any of the uh, uh, sorry, Medal of Honor games. Oh yeah. Any of them? They did. Well, the thing is, they they did kind of a reboot. Not so great remake of uh, Medal of Honor Frontline, which is is like one of the most fondly remembered ones. I also think the original couple would be really cool yeah. to bring back. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is like they got to do it right because there was weird texture things in that. That, yes, that genre's remake. come so far. Do you know what's more exciting than collections? Big collections. And with Medal of Honor, you could create a big collection. If you were to say, hey, we're bringing Medal of Honor back here's all of them or yeah. a lot of them. I don't think you want to bring back all of them, but like, yeah, let's pick oh, the best of yeah. them. Sure, yeah. sure. I think you could make that enticing. Yeah, and obviously I've been mixing them up throughout this entire conversation. Those would be remasters and not remakes. Right, I don't Correct. think you can do a collection of remakes, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, though Crash Bandicoot did. How crazy is that? Three games. Anyway, uh, Army of Two. Is there any love for Army no, of Two no, still? No, no, no. Those games no, sold so much. No, no, no. That is a, You'd have to sell that for five dollars. I think Jones, I agree. <laughs> but man. I would buy it for five dollars. Yes. <laughs> that is a game that, that, that I see. I'd call Z-Pos- up Huber, we'd have a good time. <laughs> I see positive sentiment about. I played through all of 40th Day with a buddy and had a miserable time. I really, <laughs> yeah. really don't like I played the first one co-op, and it was yeah. it was pretty jolly. Yeah, I oh, mean okay. the second but one's not, definitely the best one. Not a headline like, maker. Not a game I would want to play again. And what was the what was the one? After 40th day, was it Devil's Cartel? Yeah, yeah, that was the bad. Yeah, that, bad yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. game is bad. Yeah, it's just so it's so weird going down like EA's catalog and looking for beloved titles. Yeah, Dante's Inferno. Yeah, yeah, like, I liked it though. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, but it's not beloved. Um, no. did they have mercenaries? Was that somebody no. else? No. Ooh, is that EA? That is not EA. I don't. I don't think no. Dante's Inferno is great. But if you were to put that out and charge a reasonable price for it, I might bite. I th- I kind of think it's a five dollars. I don't think Dante's Inferno is forty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I agree with you. I, I'm a lot of people uh, of purchasing game purchasing age nowadays would be like, what? They've never. They have no idea what game you're talking about. Right. Right? They'd be like, look at this new game. This, uh, this DMC clone. So I get. We talked about a war clone. Jones, you brought up something that I liked a lot. Yeah, I'd say more God of War. Um, okay, yeah. You brought up something that I, I think is pretty astute when you said that genre has evolved so far when talking about first-person shooters. And so if you just remaster a first-person shooter, it just won't hold up to what is out today. Because Crash Bandicoot, you can kind of make fun of the genre. You can kind of look back and be like, wow, look how far you know its inclusion in, in uh, but Uncharted. No- like, oh, it's been so long since we played these weird old games. And even with that, it's not like there's an alternative that's exactly like it but way better out there right now. Yeah. And that's the best, like uh, Shadow of the Colossus. There's nothing exactly like Shadow of the Colossus that's better out there Correct. right now. You know? uh, 
and we kind of rolled our eyes at, at this franchise, but I I can't take that. SSX. Oh, dude, don't even say. Oh, it. don't I even say. I'm, I was not rolling, was rolling my rolling eyes at SSX. Dude, no, you, I was you. No, no, you hurt me. Come I wasn't I'm, rolling my eyes at SSX. I'm gonna start crying <laughs> right now. Okay, yes. No. When you was talking collections, yeah, yes. Yes. Because yes. I feel that way. I feel like there's nothing like yes. SSX right now that's better Absolutely. than SSX. If they, had, right. I, if they had one tricky and three on a disc and remastered. Oh. Come on. No rolling of the eyes. Okay. Oh, the only thing oh. was is that the, the, rec- the most recent attempt yes. at bringing SSS back was not universally embraced. Right. That is not a rolling of the eyes. That is just the... Right. If they remaster that one, they'll right. be no. missing the point. No, 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 right. no, no. You right. don't do that. No. Okay. You HD the first three. Yeah. Baby. What I want, though... <laughs> baby. <laughs> so, playing through Banjo-Kazooie got me just naturally check, going back to the Rare Replay collection. Okay. And thinking about how amazing that collection is. Yes. Not... Not only, not only all of the extras that you get, which are great, but the way that they do stamps to incentivize you to unlock even more things, the challenges that they have for specific games, all of that stuff is fantastic, but the presentation that they put into it, the fun of it, the liveliness of it, like, it's not just these generic menus, like, there's so much personality, like, please, EA, if you want to like win back some good faith and you start going down this remaster collection path show that you care as much as that rare replay collection like that should be the standard that we have for collections yeah, i hope I ssx like. is right under burnout and that they were like we, we we're not going to put money into a sequel but a remaster yeah i mean it's much harder again we're talking about a generation earlier oh, yeah, you please, know please 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 oh but yeah it would be it would be very nice it'd be incredible Mm-hmm. It'd be I love those games so much. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's apparent. I've made my point, but mm-hmm. I cannot say enough. I'll but, tell you one we're not getting. Tell me one we're not getting. Legacy of the Ancients. Oh yeah. Y'all hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like kids podcast halftime. The following are the official sponsors of Easy Allies for the month of February. Brent Klaus. Brent Klaus is a 2D animator and illustrator specializing in motion graphics and art design. He produces animated content for brands using bold colors, fun character animation, and he'll sneak in a video game reference wherever he can. You can find him and his work on Twitter at Brent Klaus. Hogue Law, business law firm. Whether you're starting a business at level one, stuck fighting the dreaded fundraising boss, or finally cashing out with a well-earned high score, you need a good business lawyer at your side. Rick Hogue started Hogue Law to bring more than a decade of experience to companies like yours and is proud to support the Allies. Check him out at hoeglaw.com. Scorn, an atmospheric horror adventure currently in development at Ebb Software, set in a nightmarish universe of odd forms and somber tapestry. Go to scorn-game.com for more information. Mango. Ikeelis. Since 2002, iKeyless has specialized in replacement automotive keys and remotes. They can save you up to 75% off dealership prices. Visit their updated website at iKeyless.com and use promo code EZA at checkout for free shipping and an additional 17% off of your order. L. Fanis. JoJo Dentco, your friendly automotive dent repair expert. If you are currently an EZA patron, and are in the Denver metropolitan area, tweet at Fastmower if you would like to have your minor door dings repaired free of charge. Sweet 
Justice, a sound design company based in England that's worked on Battlefield, Mirror's Edge, Injustice, Call of Duty, Cuphead, and a load of indies. Check out their website at www.sweetjustice.audio. All of these links are available in the description. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Never fails. We always mention at least one game that Sweet Justice has worked on. Mm, (laughs) Or at least one franchise, in this case, Call of Duty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but speaking of that, that brings us back to another one that would be perfect. Battlefield 1942. Oh, baby. Remember, like, all those servers got taken down with the whole GameSpy thing? Yeah, Blood, that's actually really good. Yep. Yeah. Battlefield 1943 is, was, when they did that, the way that they did it was so awesome. Uh, and like another like small scale downloadable battlefield like that, I think would be really cool. That kind of goes back to that style. What's funny though, is I think it, it flies in the face of uh, the idea of them sticking the thermometer in our mouths and seeing how hot we are in battlefield. Cause they're still selling battlefields right? Mm-hmm. and they sell like fine. You know what I mean? I, I don't see the incentive for them to do it in terms of <laughs> what's up Jones. I just love the, literally the EA thermometer, like <laughs> me opening my mouth. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Waiting so a little people. bit. Yeah, it comes back, takes it out, shakes yeah. a little bit, looks at it. And I'm so like, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> How much do I like Dead Space? I don't know. What's wrong with So many people are still playing 1942, though. And, you know, like, like that, even though that stuff got taken down, like, people are finding ways. So if there was an official way, like, that community would just jump on it unless it was trash. Yeah. I just, I do kind of feel like EA is optimizing the money they're making off Battlefield right now. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's not that perfect intersection of not enough people care for a sequel, but could be, it wouldn't hurt our pockets an, uh, as much just to do a remaster. Maybe Blood, if this year's game doesn't do well, maybe they'll be like, okay, maybe we try 1942 and see if there's still an interest there. You know, maybe something like that. Um, I do, I, I, we have a, a game announcement. Normally I lead with a game announcement. We yeah, got a, it's this weirdness. We got it's your favorite way to start a podcast. Yeah, this one I'm feeling weird about. So it's buried behind uh, podcast halftime. It's called The Missing. And so The Missing is a game announcement from Swery. Uh, Hidetaka Suahiros is his full name. Uh, it's a collaboration between his studio White Owls and Arc System Works, oh, best okay. known for incredible 2D fighting games. That we didn't see any part of this game. We saw nothing of this game. We got basically a rough concept of what this game's theme is. He said it's going to be sick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those words specifically? Yeah. Uh, and I'm kind of like, what is excellent. the meaning of this? Why would you announce your game like this? Yeah, but I'm pretty excited. <laughs> so, Ben, that I'll, I'll, I'll pose all these questions to you because I think it's one of three things. Yeah. I, I tried to narrow it down. I tried to think rationally. What is this? So one is actually build enthusiasm, the way a reveal trailer does for any other video game. Maybe they're just looking to build enthusiasm. Yeah. The second one is maybe recruit. A lot of uh, studios will do a trailer early to maybe bring people in they, so people see the enthusiasm. They're like, oh, I should, I should apply there. And then the third one is the most cynical. I'm putting on my Bloodworth hat. Um, to try to change the perception of the studio, of White Owls, of Swery, after the failed kickstarter mm-hmm. of the good life sure mm-hmm. which is apparently still in development uh they're still working on that plan to do a kickstarter later uh the other studio they're working on with that is uh groundling inc who did uh crimson dragon on xbox one um so yeah that kickstarter failed they're looking a little bad and i kind of wonder if this is like hey look we're doing fine you know then which of these three things why which of these is it um putting on the hat i it's it's hard to say uh it's always a little bit 
of a mystery why different size studios announce things at certain points because it's all over the map. Yeah. But I think you have the right frame of mind and you're saying, you know, you have this you have this new studio that's trying to, to take off the failed Kickstarter. This Especially where you you think like the capital is rising with Arc System Works after Dragon Ball Fighters, yes, right. That this is a really good thing for them. This is this is a good look. This generates excitement. How is that bad? I think that is probably a fairly accurate train of thought. Cool. Yeah, we'll see more of the game later. We'll talk about it when we get a trailer. But yeah, not too much to say at this moment. But you said general concept. I mean, what's the general concept? That people are missing. If you ever feel like you're missing every day, this game is for you. Well, they. They talked in the in the article, they in the reveal, they said that missing somebody has different meanings, right? Mm. So you could be missing somebody that you love, somebody that you've lost, but you could also just be like missing in life. If you and if you feel lost in life, this might be a game uh, that is right for you. And they really hyped up that the ambition of this, that this this scale of what we're doing is is huge but we're confident that we're going to be able to pull it off and so when you take that like ambition that they're talking about as well as the multiple meanings for this word uh i think what you're going to do is 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 something that the story of it you're either going to have a lot of choice or the story is going to have a lot of messages coming from it and so i think that's exciting honestly for me with with sweary it's hard for me not to think that like He's not uh, in, like, a near position, in a Yoko Taro position. Is he best known for Deadly Premonition? He's best known for Deadly Premonition. Okay, cool. And to me, Deadly Premonition is is a beautiful game where the heart is just, like, bursting outside of it. Like, you have this person who is, is so great uh, and just wasn't able to have the support to really bring his vision into life that wasn't completely janky. Mm -hmm. And seeing what happened with Nier and Platinum, it gives me so much hope that Arc System Works could take this crazy, crazy man and his crazy, (laughs) beautiful ideas and make something awesome. Make it look nice. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Right. And you you think about, like, the Arc... Uh, Near Automata had right where like when that game was first announced yep. versus like the buzz it eventually built uh, at release and post release. I'm I'm hoping that a similar sort of arc can happen here where maybe it just seems like kind of this weird thing that we're not sure of because we're not getting much, but that this is something that will be very exciting relatively quickly. Ben, that's a wonderful analogy because that game was announced as an announcement as well. Right. It was not announced. I think we saw one screenshot of uh, uh, one of the characters, right? Did we see um, 2B? I think so. I think you I think you saw her like concept art. I don't remember. And they said, yeah, we're working on this. You'll see more later. And yeah, it was kind of the same thing. And so, yeah, I guess it's not unorthodox. And I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's necessarily bad to announce a game that way. But uh, yeah, you know, not much to talk about on a podcast sure possible sure, social fair. media component don't i'm not suggesting it you I'm just are you just missing you're trying it. to connect with people find people because jones that's a like, maybe we can't talk about it on not podcast. not a, i mean one one step would be integrated into actual social media share this you know yeah. connect with that person or possibly a, a fake you know communicating with people persona 5 something like that you know right. texting and I'm I'm Facebooking. I'm scared of any game that says, "Hey, are you lost? We have the answers." That's what religions say. You know what I mean? Sure, like that's sure, like sure, that's sure. the scariest uh, thing. And so I hope it's, I hope the game isn't we have the answers. I hope the game is like let's explore this. Let's see what this feeling's like. Let's let's look at that, that how that 
kind of life is like. I wonder if there will be hesitation, like, because Platinum Games, you associate action games. You a certain, associate a certain style of action games. That's what Nier Automata was. Whereas with Arc System Wars, you associate fighting games. Yeah. Uh, and if this is not that, I wonder if there's going to be more hesitation or it's going to be harder to generate buzz if yeah. it's outside yeah, of the Yeah, I, I think that's the thing that I was, you know, really trying to think of it, like, what arc system works brings to the table that they want to do and i was trying to think of like what has arc done that's not been a fighting game so i know? looked it up yeah. Th- there are several titles that aren't fighting games a lot of them are japanese titles that i have no premium reference for okay uh but yeah uh they do do non-fighting games but their good games are fighting games is right. what i mean to say like sure. the ones that they're very good at the ones sure. that look the best and, and they excel at are all fighting games yeah so hmm. yeah but i mean but at the same time like They've nailed like art in terms of you know making that anime look with 3D character models. So I wonder like even if it turned out to be essentially like a visual novel, like it would be a really good looking visual novel. Yeah. You know that doesn't cost what it would take to like draw all of these different animations and stuff. Sure. Cool. Actually, you know what? I'm glad we brought this up on the podcast. Bonus question. Yes. If I wanted to play Deadly Premonition today, what's the best way to do it? 360? Oh, PC? Oh, okay. Cool. It's on Steam? Yeah, it's on Steam. Go get it. Uh, I played it on 360. I think I messed around with the PS3 version a little bit and don't remember how that experience was, but I would probably guess PC. Cool. Jones, yeah. are you into that? I've always been. It's open world-ish, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a town. Yeah, you're not there for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I just uh, uh, James Kohler back in uh, right. the GT days oh, yeah. was a yeah. huge fan of Daily Premonition, and he would tell me stories. I'm like, what? Like, you did what in the game? There, there are some <laughs> scenes like he, he's. It sounded like he had a little bit of freedom to to kind of pick Art, what he wanted to do and where what he wanted to focus on, and so it is. It is very deliberately, extremely deliberately evocative. Are you a Twin Peaks fan? Oh yeah. Okay. Are you you're a substantial Twin Peaks fan? Substantial. You okay. will be able to appreciate what this game cool. is tapping into. I think yeah. I need to do. Would, would Halloween be a good time? Would October be a good time to yes, jump in? Yes, sure. totally. The, yeah. the one thing that I do want to say before you jump into Deadly Premonition starts real slow. Okay. Like <laughs> think think about games that you've played that have started slow. Slower than that. Like, <laughs> you really got to give it some Great. room. Uh, which cool. Yeah. yeah. Mark against it. But yeah. But. Just plug a controller into the PC and you're good. Cool. It is now time for Love and Respect. Love and Respect. Rufus, 100 episodes. Hey. Looked a little rough for some, but I don't think he ever missed an episode. Nice. Yeah, pretty cool. I missed a couple. Rufus working harder than I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought about it, Jones. Like, I haven't missed any episodes, but just when I'm gone, it's just like, you don't get to make one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just like, I don't let you make one without me, so it's not really anything to brag about. Uh, our first comes from, yeah, we were just talking about This might be an interesting discussion. Okay, uh, this comes from Jerry Young. Hello, allies. Would love to get the panels, especially Ben's thoughts, on some of the statistics that have been coming out about the player base for Dragon Ball Fighters. Since its launch, according to IGN, the amount of players on PC for Dragon Ball Fighters has dropped 80%, which is faster than the drop of Tekken 7. As a fighting game player, I remember all the hype around this game when it was coming out, saying it would bring new players into the community. However, it appears that new players have dropped the game after being scared off for whatever reason, leaving the game to competitive fighting game community. 
Would love to get the panel's thoughts on the drop-off and the player for player base for DBZ. What does it take for a fighting game to break away from the competitive world and become a game that casual players are willing to pick up? I feel uh, a lot of things about this. Cool, yeah. I, I think it's easy to get scared by that and be like, oh man, look at that drop. Uh, but I, th I think it's a lot of things. I think bringing a lot of people in who are excited about Dragon Ball but maybe aren't so sure about fighters... Uh, you're going to get a lot of people that find out that they're they're intimidated or they don't like losing online or don't want to commit to learning and all this stuff, and that's that's totally fine. I don't think it is necessarily the sharp drop off that's the problem, but like how many were in there in the first place. And with something like Tekken, I think the reason why you don't see as much of a drop is because with Tekken, you kind of know what you're getting into. Oh yeah, Tekken is 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 associated with a certain thing where like your love of Dragon Ball may be detached from your interest in fighting games, mm -hmm. but your love of Dragon Ball is enough to pull you in. Uh, but maybe you know you played through the story, or you didn't like the story, or you tried it online. You didn't like Dragon Ball Fighters is absolutely, I think, a, a game for a lot of people that they're going to abandon, and that's fine. I think. The point is, is that Dragon Ball Fighters, despite the huge drop off, still brought a lot of new people in. Yes. Doing streams of Dragon Ball Fighters, uh, there were a lot of people who were commenting, and they're like, "I don't play fighters. I love this game. This game is going to be my introduction into fighters." Like, so yes, you have a huge drop off that doesn't take away from the accomplishment of the people that it did bring in. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Dra Dragon Ball Fighters does a lot of interesting things in. Uh, creating a simplicity, trying to make it easier for new people. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that most of the special inputs are just a quarter circle and a button. Yeah. The way that the super is just a quarter circle and a button. The auto combos, just that you can mash and do very visually interesting things. Right. I think they try to make it like uh, accessible in an interesting way. It does hurt to see 80% drop off, but uh, you're right. I mean, the audience is still great on it. I think the, the, the area where Dragon Ball Fighters fails is there are a lot of people who don't have any interest in playing online. And I think despite having a longer than normal story mode, compared to a lot of other games, the offline stuff in Dragon Ball Fighters is not going to keep you coming back. As opposed to like Injustice 2. Right. Yes. Right. There there are yeah. a lot of hooks that have worked in Injustice 2 for bringing people back, giving yep. them a reason to check in. And I don't think the capsules and unlocking the lobby avatars are enough. That's what's so funny about their great character models that are totally well animated is that you can't just like throw a hat on it. Right. It just like won't work. You can't <laughs> yeah. just do new skins and it'll all work perfectly. Right. And so they do have this weird thing where like colors are, are a really rare special item to find. Right. And I guess maybe maybe saying it out loud on a podcast it sounds a little bit nasty, but I think it works like having daily challenges for Dragon Ball Fighters or or a mode that mutates a little bit. I think that would have gone a long way in keeping some of that 80% mm -hmm. uh, that have just no interest in fighting online at yeah. all. Well, and so. you even were saying that like some of the story stuff doesn't, like it kind of gets to wear the on you. The story stuff is is too long uh War on me at minute one yeah, yeah. the <laughs> the thing for me the big takeaway with the story mode is there are really good interactions between characters uh depending on who you put on your team the banter that they'll have with each other is really strong but kind of everything else like the overall story isn't that well developed and kind of bland 
the the skill stuff you you don't really need to mix it up all that much because the game isn't super pushing you um i i think the idea of building up a characters and building up teams is interesting but they don't go far enough with it however for a sequel or something maybe that's something they could look at more heavily jones let me know if this is crazy okay we're talking about fighting games we're talking about stories within fighting games I feel like within the story for Tekken 7, within the story for Injustice, you feel like these are the things that are happening to these characters. In Dragon Ball Fighters, this isn't happening. This yeah, is all no, this course. is all nonsense. Yeah. Do you think that actually do you think that actually means anything to people who are not me? Is that just my own weird observation, that my own weird feeling of just like this isn't happening? But in Justice 2, it's like, oh, this is all happening to these people. Well, there's a lot of split audiences to consider. People coming in expecting to have a tie-in, you know, a direct tie-in between. I mean, is this something people complain about with previous Dragon Balls? Or like, they didn't tell the story correctly, or I wish they would spend more time on the story. Well, a lot of other Dragon Ball games are recounting just yeah. the yeah. story of the series. Strictly, like as it was, and yeah. then maybe sometimes interesting little spins on it, yeah. Um, um, although, notably, Xenoverse didn't do that um, and told its own well, kind of. It was a time-traveling story that was original, but, like, had twists on events that you were familiar with. Right. So. I, I think the play, I mean, it's more work, uh, maybe more work than they are, they can do or were willing to do. But I, I think the interesting play for me, as an outside observer, uh, is to come up with something new. Is to, to, to take it off in a weird direction. Or, or, like, pick a part in the narrative and just kind of, like, you know, go, you know, west instead of north. You know, and like, oh, well, that didn't happen in there. But, okay, well, just kind of like a what-if scenario yeah jones you weren't here for the stream the story mode of dragon ball fighters uh involves you the player inhabiting the body of goku oh my (laughs) and so people will look into the camera and talk to you like hey what are you doing in goku's body and then goku will talk to you from within his own body he'll look look at you and say like hey bud let's do it i don't think you saw this but there there are three arcs for the dragon ball story and you do your go you, first. Your your soul is inside Goku. My soul as the player. As the player, yeah. but then in the enemy arc, in the bad guy arc, they kind of go through the exact same motions with Frieza, where it's like, oh whoa, what is happening? Let's talk about you, the player, being the soul, and you're just sitting there, and it's uh. like, no, we we've, we've done this. It's so crazy. Like, I've seen characters look at the screen and say, like, ain't I stink? I've seen that before. <laughs> but I've never, like, it's never been me involved in the story. I've never I've never been able to say, like, I'm Goku, Bugs Bunny. Like, that's, oh, it's so weird to me. You know what? I can't hate that That story sounds like before. an easy update episode where, yeah. like, one of our viewers goes into Kyle. And yeah. we're all, like, looking into the camera like, whoa. <laughs> what's it like being inside of Kyle? <laughs> you know what's interesting? And uh, in, in hearing Jones talk about it, somebody who doesn't normally play fighting games, and what I think is uh, something that fighting game stories don't do very well very often is, uh, like, I'm not compl- I'm not head over heels about the Injustice 2 story. I think it's cool. There were some things I didn't like. But the Injustice 2 story presents itself seriously. Yes. And it builds up a threat. And it makes that threat uh, very obvious and, and very real. A lot of times in the Dragon Ball Fighters story, they're like, oh, man, this sucks. Everybody's gone. This is a huge threat. But they don't do a good job of inve- uh, conveying it the way that the Injustice 2 story does, where it's like, hey, we're going to use these different characters to look at this threat from different angles. We're all going to be doing things that we're building up to this moment to take down this thing. Uh, and like the Tekken 7 story, I really like it, but it's pretty silly. And so, oh, super silly. Well, man, I'm still feeling emotions at the end. I gotta yeah, be honest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm with you, but there's there's a lot of silliness to it. Yes. Uh, same with the Street Fighter V yeah. story. Mm. Um, 
and the Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite story. Yeah. And so I wonder if there's a lot of value there that matters to people with something like Injustice, where it's like, hey, we're going to take this pretty seriously, and we're going to to have these characters act like they normally would as you know them in this original scenario. I think it does. I think it means a lot. I think it means a lot that Injustice is... Uh, as graphically impressive as it is. Mm-hmm. I think if you're looking str- strictly, we're talking about like how to make a fighting game appeal to a casual audience. It just helps that it's like, it's a gorgeous game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I honestly, I think like the, the metagame collecting the, the collecting parts that you just attach to your character is a huge element of why that's a success. And so, yeah, um, I do think those three things are missing from fighters. Fighters is a great fighting game. I think it actually did hit as Ben's open with, like it, it did well with casuals. It did well with yeah. the casual audience. The huge drop off is incredible, and I think I would attribute it to those things. Basically, I have something that fighting games might benefit from, huh. uh, and it's nice to have Bloodworth here because you are a Splatoon two fan. Uh, but I did not play. I, I I have Splatoon two, but I I played a little bit of the campaign, a little bit of multiplayer, but I've not invested a lot of time in that. But still, just be, uh, like being around social media, I was aware of like peanut butter versus jelly or whatever, like those sure. like interesting like just made up competitions that yeah. were totally made up, like yes. that had no meaning at all. It was just like ketchup or mustard I'm probably getting all of these wrong but like uh, that was, one. It's, was that one yeah. so it's, it's fun it fit the game they're color based mayo. yeah, yeah it was, was. Nice. so like they can add these things um, and uh, they can kind of invigorate people it's something where you're like okay well I don't care about this one but maybe I'll do that later and what if they had injustice like heroes and villains yep. like red red outfits versus blue outfits like I wonder if Dragon Ball had that if they were like I don't know if there's easy ways to delineate you know members of that roster between like one one type oh. of fighter versus another oh, yeah. type you of totally fighter. You totally could. Yeah. Like you could you could envision in fighters right now like a weekend where it's Goku versus Vegeta. Yeah. Right. Uh and, and just, yeah, you and could you could play you could play into so many things. And I think I mean, as a fan of Dragon Ball, I think that would be pretty fun. And I think that is something that Splatoon just absolutely crushed, and That's I a really want fun more point, games. Jones, yeah. yeah, I thought that was a great point. And because I think like funny games will do factions sometimes. You know, like Mortal Kombat is just like I'm in the Sub Zero faction. Yeah. But like it's, that is just it's just a weekend. It's just you make a choice now, and it's over at the mm-hmm. end of the weekend. I love that. That's good. Great yeah. tip, Jones. I, I think yeah. Again, when you're talking about the 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 casual and stuff, it's I think for a lot of people is like, you like. If you're not into fighting games and being in that competitive scene, it's not that like, oh, this game is crap. Yeah. It's, it's like you buy the game, you check it out, and then like you pull it out when your friends come over. And like that's all you're looking for. You're not looking to like get in and like rank up and study and do all this stuff. You're just looking to have a good Dragon Ball fighting game that you can play with your friends, you know, when they come over for, for pizza or something. Yeah, I don't think a fighting game will ever be PUBG or Call of Duty. No. Yeah, it just but takes a, it takes like a commitment. It takes a type of person, I think. I, you know, we're we're focusing on the drop off right now, but I think you need to also take the long view on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the legs that Dragon Ball Fighters has, and I really do think it will have legs. I think it being an Evo is a huge deal. Yeah, and you will see a bump. And the thing is, because it is also tied with Dragon Ball, anything that's going on in Dragon Ball could also potentially give a bump to fighters. If you are looking for that fix, this is obviously a very popular, well-regarded game that you could jump into. Like this is, the story is not completely written on fighters yet, particularly with what they also announced for DLC. Yeah, as well. So cool. And you have discounts for those things. So if it's like Sidekicks Weekend, have discounts on the Sidekicks. Like they're just Ooh, like if jumps. you want to, unlo- you know, like it, oh, it costs getting, less points. I get devious, man. So you jump in. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff, dude. Uh, hi, allies. 
I know you said you weren't going to do anything special for the 100th episode, but I was wondering if you could do a rap like Invisible Walls did for the 200th episode. <laughs> it seems like you guys like... It seems like you guys rap a lot anyway, so I don't see why it should be a problem. Love and respect, Harvey. Easiest thing in the world. Well, I think we could do one. No. Yeah, yeah. Like we, do you remember? We used to like we used to do like raps at the beginning of this podcast. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Oh, it was before well, like we did. Once. It was before we did word of the. Yeah, it lasted like three weeks, and we did word of the day, then we did prove a ticket, and right. then and then we did goals. Remember this being pretty awkward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, just for I'm like British. I, I, yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure I avoided. I don't know how I avoided it. Maybe it was at a preview event, but I did not have to participate in that Ducking Invisible out. Walls rap. <laughs> well, this is your you chance. Yeah, let's do this one. Rap. Let's do this rap. 100 not episodes. Not live on the uh, podcast, no. Well, like, well, just like the theme is 100 episodes. And like, Jones, I'll toss it to you. So I'll start. I'll get us a beat. 100 episodes. Jones. Uh, it's been a long day. Boop, I'm boop, so jelly. Ben. Ben. A hundred episodes. I can't. Blood? Boop, boop. Boop, boop. You're not going to get blood. Boop. I'm so, I'm so bummed. I'm just... <laughs> Nobody's going to rap? No. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know what? Okay, what? I got one rap in me a year, I think. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. Well, why would you rap for that and not for like the 100th episode of Easy Eyes podcast? You know what? I'm going to sit here and I'm going to imagine a rap. How about that? Okay. I'm just going to okay. imagine my own rap. Your show, dude. Okay. Yeah, this will work. Okay, 100 episodes. Where do I start? He was a boy, she was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? He was a punk, she did ballet. What more can I say? He wanted her, she'd never tell. Secretly, she wanted him as well. But all of her friends stuck up their nose. They had a problem with his baggy clothes. We're going down, down, in an earlier round. And sugar, we're going down. Swing, swing, swing from the tangles of my heart crushed by a former love in this club infinite content infinite content we're infinitely content because we lost it all nothing lasts forever i'm sorry i can't be perfect infinite content infinite content we're infinitely content now it's just too late and we can't go back i'm sorry i can't be perfect five years from now she sits at home feeding the baby she's all alone she turns on tv guess who she sees skater boy rocking up mtv she calls up her friends they already know and they've all got tickets to see his show she tags along stands in the crowd looks up at the man that she turns How good is it? Not that good. Mm. Uh, so let's play a game. Uh, where does that game start? We're on several pages here. Here it is. Okay. Congratulations, allies. You made it to 100. I have a game for you today. It's called Know Your Podcast. No. 
You've all said some memorable things these past two years. So I thought it'd be, I'd present wow. some quotes wow. and you could try and guess who said them during this. So much work. This took work. Yeah. This is oh, hours, yeah, exactly. and hours, yeah, yeah. hours and hours and hours of work. Um, Impressive. Wow. Uh, you can keep score or just keep it jolly. We're going to keep it jolly. Okay. It's been a pleasure to witness your growth of your content and all around character these past two years. Here's to podcast 2049 plus love and respect monkey D Luffy. Okay, is this is this nice. just is this all nine allies or is it just us on this panel? I think it's everyone. All of everybody. Oh boy, except for Don. Except for Don, who rarely appears on this podcast. He's got uranium. Um, so podcast ninety, just you know, ten episodes ago. This was in December of two thousand seventeen. Here's our quote: Bayonetta two is a great game, so now people will finally play it. Platinum will get the sales they deserve for that game, and it's going to make people excited for Bayonetta three which will probably sell really well, too. Michael Huber. I would say you, but if you say Michael Huber, then if you don't think you said that... Got a guess, Blood? Then it's Damiani. It is Damiani! Mm. Yeah, I love that. That could have been anyone. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Uh, rewinding further back to Podcast 80. This was from... Uh, Sorry, I learned how to, I forgot how to read months. October. <laughs> Strange thing to read. Yeah. Uh, okay. Constantly in that game, when I beat something, I felt like I did that. I can do this in a weird way that doesn't sound true, but at the same time was very true for me. It was like, no man can do this. Stick with it. It may take several tries, but you can do it. It was a lesson that I very much needed and it kind of fortified me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Ian. I'm going to say me. It was bang. Oh, nice. Uh, we were talking about games that changed you in a positive way. Fortified. Yes. Yeah. There's only a couple people that are yeah. classy <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's not coming out of my mouth. I, uh, no, it's just that was such a crucial moment in my life. That's all. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Podcast 70. While The Walking Dead Season 1 game <laughs> was praised as this indie hit, I feel like they've grown so much in this time, but it's been this buildup of problems with every single season of their games. Crashes and bugs, and every time I play one of these games, I'm battling this, this is definitely Huber. I was waiting for him to finish, yeah, maybe, but yeah. yeah. That's an old Huber grudge. Yeah. That's an easy one, yeah. yeah. That's definitely Huber. <laughs> Uh, this is fun. That yeah. was in uh, Telltale announces three new games happened that episode. Mm. Podcast 60. GameStop, I got a tip for you. If you change your pre-owned stickers on the box and make them easily removable and it will not damage the box, I would buy more games from you, period. I feel that way. Uh, Ian? Brad? Ian would be my first choice, Brad second. It's neither of those. Oof. Me? Oof. No. It's got to be Huber again. It's Huber again. Yeah. Yeah. I was torn between Brad and Huber. I was going to say, like, sounds like Ian's cadence, but, like, I don't think Ian is a big... GameStop, I got like, a tip for you. Physical... Uh, you can hear Huber. Yeah, that, that, I got a tip for you. Yeah, that was yeah. such okay. a Brad or, or Huber thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the topic that week was Ghost Recon Wildlands is the best-selling video game of 2017 at that point. Yo, those, those pre-owned stickers suck, though. Yeah. Mm. They suck. It's a good rant. Really good rant. Going back to Podcast 50. It'll be really interesting to see next year if we can just get this flood of Wii U games on Switch when they see how good Mario Kart does. Like, whoa, get Bayonetta. Get Bayonetta. Brad? No. Thought it was me. but It's Jones. Oh, okay. What do you, why did you say no? The bringing up Bayonetta specifically. Were we talking about Bayonetta? 
No, we're talking about a uh, Nintendo Switch post-launch conversation. Yeah, this is before Bayonetta. They threw out Bayonetta? They threw out Bayonetta, mm-hmm. yes. It was before it was even announced, yeah. They, they grow up so fast. <laughs> yeah. This actually says, me well, man. It says, you called it, Jones. So, You're slowly yeah. conditioning me to be a better gamer. <laughs> yeah. But also a good industry analyst. Yeah. The flood of, yeah. quote unquote. I was like, ah, that's me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the flood of is, yeah, a, is a Jones phrase. Yeah. Podcast 40. My favorite at the movie theater is the dude in front of me that just turns on his phone brightness to the max. Just turn down the brightness, dude. If you have to be on your phone, I guess, but just turn down the brightness, man. (laughs) Ian or Brad? Or Huber? It's Jones. Oh, really? That's Jones. That's your your rant, man. What? We were talking about movie theater pet peeves. My oh. favorite, my favorite at the movie theater is the dude in front of me that just turns on the brightness to the max. Just turn down the brightness, dude. If you have to be on your phone, I guess, but just turn the brightness down, man. It's okay. a Jones rant. Yeah. Well, that's like a year ago, though, right? At this point. Yeah, that was uh, that was Christmas of 2016. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude. Wow. The, just the the language there didn't strike me as Jones. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Podcast thirty. 2D platformers, they are around. There, there has been a resurgence, and they are in different forms. A lot of them are done by indie companies, of course, but 2D platforming is represented. 3D platforming is almost non-existent. Kyle. Damiani. No. Huber. Ian. Daniel Bloodworth. Ah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Blood, cruel words here, man. Well, no, we're talking about the current state of the platforming genre. 3D platforming is almost non-existent. You know what? You were telling the truth at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at this game. Mario Odyssey had not even happened yet, you know? So it's like, yeah, I get it. Get that perspective. Pre-hat in time? Yeah. Oh, just a brief pause. Amanda's playing Odyssey now, and she played it on the plane. We were coming back from Florida, and I love she just, like, finishes a section and just, like, puts the switch down for a second and turns to me. She's like, this is a really good game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah, it is. It absolutely is. <laughs> uh, podcast 20. I went to the ice cream shop and everyone there was very kind to me. And as I looked over the various flavors, my mouth did begin to salivate. How could I ever choose? Ian? Ian. No. It's not Ian? It's not Ian. Uh, Huber? No. Brad? Mm Mm-mm. Kyle. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad there was like, a Kyle one. Someone, come on. So this is so. This was a trick one because the topic was public radio voices. Yeah, you're yeah. making fun of how public radio people speak, oh. and so I was just rattling off how oh, I think. Just like okay. yeah, I was went to the good ice cream t- good shop. Pick, good pick. Yeah. Okay. Podcast ten. Here's my problem with EA. The last two years, their press conferences have been gormless. They're announcing games four years in advance. That's Ian. There's not. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's come on. Yep. That was that was from oh, the Brad. challenge. We had to oh, fit yeah. that word in there. That was word of the day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Gormless was word of the day. So that's that's funny. That ties in. Yep. <laughs> Great job. Podcast one. It's from uh, March twenty third, two thousand sixteen. So it was just two days after our first day existing. You, if you watch it, we're so giddy. You know, we just yeah. we do have just the one microphone and four wooden chairs, but we're so excited. I think that's where the market is, unfortunately, with racing games right now. It's like you either hit it out of the park completely or you've got a rough time with these big studios, publishers. Damiani. 
Like Brandon Blood Jones, Words. what did I tell you about the first episode it's of the Easy Eyes? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, blood. That was Blood. I know Blood Words. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was when, the, uh, the, the easy I've, pick. But yeah. I, yeah. That, that's the thing. It was like it's like it felt too easy. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. a, uh, that's a typecast. That's, that's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> Evolution Studios had just shut down that week, uh, and so that's why we're talking about that. Cool. Let's very, very, very cool. <laughs> that was, oh, that fun was, game, right? That was very yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. Thank you so much for putting that together. Okay, um, let me just do one more quick one. That's just a nice thing. Uh, this comes from Christian Thomas. Side note, I seriously don't envy Bossy having to judge which question discussion is deemed worthy each week for this segment. I'm always impressed by the broad creativity this community has inspired in one another. I suppose this is my way of saying thank you to everybody who has been involved in the podcast for the last 100 episodes and their contributions to this journey we've shared together. Love and respect to you all. Figured the sentiment was worthy of some caps lock. Uh, cool. Love that. It's not a side note because it made it into the podcast. Yeah, I owe a great deal to the people who send us love and yeah. respect questions. Yeah. Uh, it's some really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Sometimes the most fun we have in a podcast, sometimes the most interesting conversations we have in the podcast uh, all come from our community and not from me and not as the you know podcast producer. You know, So it's actually, yeah, I'm deeply appreciative of it and the creativity people pump into this segment every week. Uh, I like that a lot, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I want to say thank you to to you for making that possible for the last 100 episodes. Thank you for the work you put in because uh, for the four that get in or the three yeah. or the two, yeah. there's still many, many more that Definitely. are just as thoughtful, just as creative that don't get in every week. And so, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for keeping continuing to try and make good stuff. Also, $5 and above on patreon.com slash easy allies, not something to sneeze at. Yep. Excellent content. Oh, yeah. yeah thank thank you. you. That You're right. You keep for us that afloat. Alone, yes. For, for you know, yes. pay, paying the price of admission to submit the questions and then possibly not having it selected and then coming back the next month yeah. to try again. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, uh, I should have admitted or should have explained when uh, we just did uh, uh, And For That Reason. That's going to be attached to the Love and Respect post every week. And so if you want to send in a For That Reason, if you want to send in, cool. in an innovative and uh, creative game idea briefly... Uh, that'll, oh, right. that'll be uh, again with that five. And I was a bit game. confused. Doesn't have to be an idea of a game. Can be an idea for a game. Something to implement in any game or genre or an existing game or something. It doesn't have to be the pitch of the entire game. No, it's the the pitch of the entire just game. A, it will always end with some light bulb. It will always end with a title. Ah, okay. And then, so who's in? Okay, <laughs> but the mode or the feature can have a title or something. Yeah. No, John. No, the game. Does. Sorry. Always okay. Sorry. Pitch me a game. <laughs> I mean, maybe after a hundred episodes of doing uh, uh, that segment. Then maybe we can do that, but yeah. Cool. Uh, it is time for bets. Next week's bet, excuse me, is about Moss, which is coming to PSVR next Tuesday, February 27th. So adorable. Yeah, that's a really, really cool VR game. Uh, what will the file size be, though? Brandon Jones. 4.5 gigabytes. Wow. Daniel I thought, Bloodworth. I thought I was low. Six gigabytes. Ben Moore. I thought I was kind of low. 12.4 gigabytes. That's pretty good. I thought I was just right. 7.2 <laughs> gigabytes. Let me lock that in. It's Last week's bet time. was about Metal Gear Survive, uh, which released today. Uh, hmm. We didn't quite do everything we were supposed to. We were, we were going to stream it today, and we did do that, but we weren't able to create a character because Jones had to make a man. Had to go I, ahead I and try totally to make some guy forgot. who just looks like him. I was four in the morning, jet lagged, completely forgot this wasn't part of the bet. Uh, we were betting on how many hair options there would be for a woman. Uh, Jones, you bet 12. Brad bet 12. Ian bet 16. I bet 24. There were five or six 
hair options for the woman for the man so assuming no we looked it up oh he did oh, and okay. youtubed it he looked oh, nice. at somebody else's video of creating a character excellent uh and it was five or six i don't remember which but it doesn't matter it's irrelevant because but jones you and brad won a point uh so you'll split that so that brings us to red grouse's four <laughs> gorgeous gorillas two <laughs> tied with me the droopy eagle with two um <laughs> Jones, yeah, I know, I know. You're not feeling the the pressure. You're feeling good on your own team. I, as you win more, the pressure builds. Yeah. When you, you know, if I had no points, I'd be like, all right. <laughs> Jones, I forgot something that happened. That time. Uh, when we split, so we did win the poison thumb. The poison thumb is, of course, the ability to cancel out anyone's vote. Um, bet. I mean, um, we both have it. We cannot use it on each other. So we split the poison thumb. Okay. Uh, the first person to use it, it's gone. Yeah. You can't use it on me. You can use it to anyone on other, the other two, or I could use it first. So nah. it's a race to use the poison thumb at the most opportune moment. Or I wait until you use it, and then you're the villain. It makes me look good. Uh, precisely then, that. Yeah. I, I suspect <laughs> neither of us will use the poison thumb. Okay. Unless like I get a really good Damiani opportunity. Or just have a really bad day. Yes. Know, I want to oh, use that poison thumb. <laughs> Uh, I should talk a little more about Patreon because, yeah, we did talk about how those people uh, keep us afloat, Jones, at mm-hmm. the $5 tier. They also get the podcast two days early. So definitely check out patreon.com slash easy allies to see how all, all of that works, but also to see everything else we do and everything else we can do for you uh, because it's not just the podcast. It's live streams. It's reviews, uh, which, hey, we got a new review system, which is interesting. Um, check out that thing. Uh, and, yeah, we do many, many things, podcasts, videos, Crazy stuff, normal yeah. stuff. Well, and along with that, all the sponsors every month. That's pretty crazy. Yes. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Jones, you said somber tapestries a hundred times. I did. Somber tapestry, excuse me. It's never pluralized. Yeah. 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 Pretty crazy, huh? Nice job, dude. And we have an open slot right now for next month. Okay. But that doesn't actually happen that often. To get an open slot? Yeah. Cool. Like, you know, like, as you said, like, they've been here through that whole thing, you know. Yeah. A lot of people that have been on for a few months had to take a break, but then come right back. Like, I want Scorn to launch, but I also don't want them to launch. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're hosed when Scorn is finally out. <laughs> like, that's like a, yeah. a whole new nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. If you want your copy read by Brandon Jones, check that out. Check out patreon.com slash easy allies. Uh, oh, you know what? We don't do goals anymore. We're all good. We're all good. Yes, yeah, yeah. we don't have to worry about that anymore. Okay, so, uh, Blood, you and Jones will have to split up rights and responsibilities. One of you will tell us our your Twitter handle. One of you will get to promote any Easy Allies video we'd like to promote. One of you will get to the final word on anything you want, you've disagreed with, you want to reiterate, or just thought of just now. And one of you will get to sign off with your trademark sign-off. Let's do a draft. Uh, Jones, since you have the highest score, you get first pick of the draft. Uh, final word, please. Okay. Blood? Uh, video. Jones, sign off. And blood that leaves you with Twitter handle. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, my Twitter handle is at dbloodworth2. Uh, so yeah, if you want to see what I'm streaming and and weird random thoughts, um, midnight screenshot posts of random games downloading to my PS4 that I don't expect, <laughs> um, <laughs> and all kinds of other oddities. Um, and sometimes sweet things sweet things yeah like when you just do photos of your vacations oh yeah yeah, yeah. anytime i like go somewhere cool i've just yeah post a bunch of photos uh which people tell me i take really good photos and i don't think do. i do i just 
go to really cool places. It <laughs> 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 don't matter how bad your photos are. All right. <laughs> uh, I guess, Jones, since you had final words, so you'll just do your title. So what's the video you want to promote? What's the video? What's the video? Um, I don't know exactly when it's going to go up, but it's pretty much done. Uh, new Game Sleuth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good call. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, Budokai 3. Pretty crazy amount of effort uh, put in to uh, do all the research and all the testing, as, as usual. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty fascinating. It's a chin stroker. Yeah, <laughs> and, and interesting to uh, an interesting build up to Damiani's eventual verdict. Yes, I thought yeah. that was I, interesting. I think when you look at what they're investigating, there's a lot more to it than you would initially expect, which oh, yeah. is cool. Yeah, 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 it's cool. Cool show. Brandon Jones, final word and your sign off. Uh, a very I'm gonna have to, one and a half final words. Just no no more raps, Kyle. Ever. I mean, we had to. Sit here for an. I'm not even allowed to imagine this. We had to sit here for almost two minutes and and. Well, what are we supposed to do? I'm just sitting. It's just it's a pace killer. Give me that at least, Jones. All right. I just okay. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm just saying for the table. Like we're not clearly we're not participating. It's just not. Jones, because you said I want one and a half, I assumed that was your half of your final word. Okay, because that's why I interrupted. You can't have one and a half, especially (laughs) if you're just. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You can't have a final word, and if you wish to use your final word to now just say that again without me interrupting, you totally can. Please take. It away. So tempting, yeah. but I will offer my final word to our absolutely unbelievable community for watching, listening to us for a hundred episodes, going from wooden chairs to a couch with strange arms that Huber kept smacking on both sides of him, <laughs> to uh, this desk, to whatever we do in the future. Uh, the the one of my biggest fears, one of the biggest things, mistakes I don't want to make with Easy Allies is ever being complacent, ever ever you know waking up and thinking yes we deserve this, that this is something that is just going to be there every single day. Um, the support that we get is is a return for people daily, weekly, and monthly that come back. They continue to invest in us. They continue to say, yes, we like what you do. We want you to continue doing that and keep getting better. I hope for our sake and for your sake, we have gotten better and you have appreciated the work that we've done over those 100 episodes. It uh, feels like 100 and it doesn't feel like 100 at the same time. Yeah. Uh, we are truly blessed because of all our support. Quiet, Kyle. Cheers. I am enjoying these microtransactions.